I'm Mike McGinnis. And I'm Carrington Vanston. And this is the No Quarter Podcast, episode number 51. That's a lot of episodes. It is, but it's not quite number 52. Which means we're going to end now. Yep, this is the very last show because I just I was going to continue, but I decided to to really really annoy our our OCD friends out there by cutting it off one before the big one. That's an awesome plan. Oh, I'm just kidding. I could never do that to you. I like it. I like that plan. Come on. Nah. Okay. Fine. We'll keep going. So, how are you, Carrington? I'm sick. No one cares. Let's get on with the show. <laughs> I'm sick. I'm, <laughs> I'm sick and or I have allergies. I'm not sure which. Right now, I'm, I'm waging war against my, my nose. Uh, my nose is winning. And we will see if my nose is able to conscript more of my head tomorrow. <laughs> so I'll find out tomorrow whether I'm getting a cold or I just have a major allergy attack. We will see. But I have a mute button. During this show, I will use it repeatedly. <laughs> we will see uh, if I can uh, focus. My head is... My head is totally clogged, so we will see. What about you, Mike? How are you doing? If it seems like uh, I'm talking too much or or I've gone way off track and there's no Carrington here to pull me back, it's because he's out blowing his nose and <laughs> yep. and and conscripting little snot soldiers in his war. <laughs> yes. Uh, so what's up? What's new, Buckaroo? Nothing that our listeners want to hear. Um, we got feedback. We got big boatloads of long feedback. Let's just jump to the big long feedbacks, Carrington. Take it away. So this week, of course, me being totally congested, our listeners decided to write in the longest feedbacks we have ever received. Of course. So let's just, let's just jump right in. Vintage Volts. He wrote, and this is very nice to point out something that none of us had noticed that he says, for some reason, I cannot find an email address on this Facebook page or on the official No Quarter podcast Lies. website. <laughs> Whoopsie. Oh, is there one on Facebook now? There is. There wasn't was before, was there? Well. <laughs> and there's still not one on the website, but I will rectify that shortly. Um, <laughs> anyway, he wanted to send in uh, this little bit of listener feedback news. So he says, so I hope you don't mind me posting it here. Be sure to attend the White Rose Game Room Show in York, Pennsylvania on October 11th and 12th at the York Expo Center. He writes, aka the York Fairgrounds. This show is expected to be bigger this year as all of the available indoor vendor spaces have been sold and there are already a number of outdoor flea market spaces filling up. As always, the gaming area will be filled with a large number of pinball machines boo, on free play, <laughs> privately donated by collectors, along with some video game systems. Yay! I, I will have an upright Sega Thunderblade there myself. You can find out more about the show on their website, which is theyorkshow.com. So I will make sure we have a link in the, the show notes for that. And... I stuck it in my calendar because that's not really that far away. And as far as I know, I will be free. So maybe I'll make the trek. Well, that's okay. We'll just cut this portion and put it in, in the show that immediately follows the, the event. Because <laughs> we wouldn't want to talk about an event beforehand. Well, we don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> Last thing we'd want to be is helpful to our listeners. <laughs> so we also got, um, and I'll take a, a shorter one now as my, my head clears itself. I'll tilt to the side here. Um, <laughs> Lim from Singapore, he wrote in again and great at giving us contact syncs every week. Lynn, nice to hear from you. He wrote in to send us a link to a YouTube video and he just gave us the description. Here comes Blinky. So Mike, have you looked at this video? No. This video freaked me out. So as far as I can tell, it may be Lim or not. It's somebody in a kind of costume, kind of red garbage bag with eyes who's being <laughs> blinky. And there's just sort of 
rustling and it goes it's kind of creepy <laughs> I gotta say them. I don't know if that was the intent but uh, I've got a cold and you're creeping me out <laughs> but I'll have a link in the show notes because it also made me laugh alright okay I'm gonna try a big one I'm gonna try a nice big long one Mike here we go you have my support okay so Gary Eastwood Harris wrote in great name by the way Gary uh, and because I have a cold I am going to give a precy of your email which is long long holy cow long but also says some interesting things so he says uh, well hello guys my first post to yourselves I've been catching up on the podcast I'll admit I'm greatly enjoying them brings back some great memories of my game playing youth most of my 80s era was spent playing games and a lot of people missed out on some cracking games I like the word cracking seeing as it's my first post I'll take it easy on you guys but I gotta tell you about my misspent youth when consoles were just having a, a little gold period before the computers arrived and the console crash of 83 uh, one which I dearly love was the Coleco Vision from CBS. It had some fantastic ports of arcade games along the lines of Donkey Kong, Mr. Do, Choplifter, Centipede, and Carnival. This system arrived around 1982, I believe, and instead of muting, I will just skip forward a bit. <laughs> he says, um, he recommends two games in particular for us. One, Frenzy, which he says is very much in the Robotron Berserk mold, with each room uh, being littered with, you know, I was actually a big fan, going yeah. off book here now a bit, I was, uh, that's one of the ClicoVision games that I liked best, and I was always a big fan of Berserk. And so I think of it as a good Berserk game. And like he points out, uh, part of the fun of this is that when you shoot, there's these white walls and your bullets can bounce off that and might actually come straight back at you and kill you. So you got to watch out. And then he says, he also recommends Venture. I like this game even better. Same sort of thing. Clear each room of baddies, but this time collect the treasure. Not so simple, though. The baddies are constantly moving around. You actually look like a smiley face with a bow and arrow, which, again, one of my favorite things about that show. They says each floor gets more difficult as you progress to the goal of collecting your treasures, which are shown each time you collect one. I think there's a total of 27 treasures to collect. The game definitely is addictive. It has that one more, I'm just going to clear this level feeling about it. He never completed it, but he says this. This is the bit that I really liked about the feedback. I never completed it, so this week, after grabbing the emulator and games, I'm on a mission to brush up and do this. Great podcast to keep them coming. Good fun and defo a giggle. And can you mention my good friend Bobby, as he likes to be mentioned? He's actually, <laughs> he likes to be mentioned. He's actually crap at games, but he still plays them. <laughs> Play the games, guys. You'll thank me. So thank you very much for the suggestion. <laughs> I prefer the arcade version of both these games, to be honest. I prefer Berserk and even Venture in the arcade originals rather than the ClecoVision versions. Uh, but they were fairly faithful ports, I think. What do you think, Mike? I think we're going to play both of those games in upcoming episodes very soon. Uh, like my... Good friend Carrington, or at least that's what I call him when he's listening. I enjoy the arcade versions more than the, the home ports. Thank you for your inputs. Absolutely, yes. And thanks for the first feedback, and Berserk in particular. Love that game. Love mm -hmm. it, love it, love it. Okay, one more long one. Cinecaster wrote in, and I like this feedback a lot. Partly because Cinecaster knows how to brag up a storm, and he does it well in this, and I like it, and he smacks us down with our crappy wrestling ability. Mike, be ready for it. Actually, you did so much better than me, so really smacking me down here. So he says, Matt Mania, always titled Exciting Hour in My Area, was one of my favorite arcade games back in the 80s, and to this day, it stands as the only arcade game I've ever been able to play indefinitely on a single credit. What? And I will pause. I know. I'm going to pause the letter there for a second to say... Never have I been able to make that claim on any game ever. It's disappointing. What about you, Mike? Is there any game that you can basically just put in one quarter and play forever? 
I have several that I made up in my head just now that I can play Excellent. on Excellent. I'm good at those ones, too, that you made up. Anyway, he goes on to say, One late summer afternoon, circa 1988, I dropped a quarter in this game at the neighborhood bowling alley and played for what felt like hours. I remember looking over my shoulder at one point and realizing I was pretty much alone in the building, aside from the bowling alley staff, as all my friends had long since exhausted their allowances on Double Dragon and gone home. With a score of several hundred thousand points oh my gosh send a cancer uh i ultimately ended up just walking away from the game getting on my bmx awesome and uh pedaling like mad in hopes i was not late for dinner even having a main cabinet in my basement i've only played matt mania a handful of times in the last 25 years that have elapsed since that day because i felt i've mastered it and thus my limited supply of gaming time is better spent exploring other challenges in the classic rom archives the key to me and here's a bit thank you for the tip i wish i had had this a couple weeks ago the key to mastering map mania is to understand that there's a rule hard-coded into the game that doesn't let you score more than two or three consecutive moves on your opponent without the opponent hitting you back in some shape or form luckily pretty much any hit counts for this purpose for example you can purposely allow your opponent to land a single punch or kick or as mike mentioned in the podcast you can intentionally run into the opponent knocking you both down to the canvas either event will reset the counter and allow you to go back on the offense with impunity also to pause good use of the word impunity Castro. i'm liking this email a lot so he finishes uh say this might sound like a dirty cheat but the fact is the game is effectively impossible without using some form of it as carrington discovered oh my gosh this game was impossible <laughs> if you're oblivious to how the game works which i was and uh, attempt to do three to four moves in a row against coco savage like i could get as far as coco savage <laughs> he's talking to me here I think. oh sorry, okay against coco savage the code will invoke the mandatory reverse Reversal, thus giving Coco control of the match. Uh, most of the time, once that happens, it's all over but the crying. Indeed. He'll toss you around like a ragdoll until he pins you, no matter how hard you mash the buttons in an attempt to regain control. But I really mash the buttons hard, Sinecaster. Like, really, really hard. Doesn't that kill for anything? Yes, the harder you push, the more it counts, Carrington. The thing is, I clearly didn't understand this. I didn't figure it out. I should have asked for help. I really should have written a flack. Like, this is one of his favorite games. He owned it. He's the guy who, through his podcast, introduced me to it. I'd never heard of it before. I should have written and asked for help because this that game smacked me around hard. Anyway, great email sent to Caster, and I'm very jealous of your ability to play that game. I think that asking Flack for help in a game like this is also a form of cheating and is disallowed. <laughs> is it? Um, what if I ask nicely? No, no unless <laughs> unless, unless you're okay. winning and I'm losing and I need his help, and then it's not cheating. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. That seems very clear. Mm. I'm trying to think. The only other thing I thought I wanted to bring up this week, we got some emails, stuff like that, and little things that I've written back, and, and I have a cold, so I'm and I'm also way too lazy to look it all up. But I stumbled across a fun video, probably through Reddit or something like that, with Adam Savage. Mythbusters. <laughs> That's the one. He did a little video about his favorite arcade game, uh, oh. one of which that he owns, and it's Millipede. So I'll put a link to the video. It's on YouTube in the show notes. And it's really fun. He talks about how this was always his favorite game. And like Cinecaster, it's a game that he got really good at and he can play like almost indefinitely on a quarter. Like, wow, on Millipede, that's, that's a big claim, man. That's a tough game. Um, and he oh. now owns one. And it's a sort of junked up conversion cabinet, but he had somebody come in and fix it all. And, and that's what he does on lunch breaks. He'll take a break and he, and he plays Millipede. So. Yeah. Millipede is centipede for people who can't play centipede. Oh, is it really? Okay. <laughs> that's a big, that's a big talk there, Mr. It Mugibus. is. It is. It, 
the the rumor, and I have no idea how much truth there was to this. I do know that for me and, and my friends anyway, Millipede was much easier than Centipede. And Millipede was released because it was deemed too hard for certain arcade players. And they felt they could make more money by making an easier version, and they called it Millipede. Now, again, I don't well, know, what you know if there was any truth to that or if it was just our friends, my friends telling each other lies, but... <laughs> that's, Maybe. that's that's what I choose to believe. And I do know that Millipede, for me, was much easier than Centipede. Okay, dumbed-down version. Do you have anything else, or shall we move on? Just real quick, I wanted to mention that uh, I, did, I did download and play Lintai Chin's uh, updated Galaga-type game. Lots of fun on iOS. Great game, loved it. Uh, I, I had just downloaded it last time and didn't really have a chance to look at it. it, it it's free. It's, you do need iOS 7 for this to work, but yeah, definitely check it out. That's cool. That's that's amazing to hear. I'm really pleased. You know what? I'm going to go out and grab that as well. And also, it's really exciting that one of our listeners has a game out there. So I want to support it regardless. If you're a listener to our show and you have a game, let me know. I'm an easy sell. So, But I'm also really happy to hear that it's good. So that's fantastic. Unless you're a famous game developer and then we will insult you. No, then we expect sponsorship out of you. <laughs> well, that too, yes. And send your money to Mike. Uh, let's see. Do we have anything on the Twitters? Well, one th- I know somebody recently on Twitter um, posted a really good score for this week's game. Oh, it was me! So there's that. <sighs> so, in other words, no, we have nothing interesting on Twitter this week. <laughs> well, then why don't we jump into this week's game? Because it's really good. I can. I'm, we can I'm do anxious that. Yes. to talk about it. Yes. Oh, it's such a it's a great game. It's it's very very difficult. It is. Holy cow, this is a hard one. The gameplay is so simple, and that's part of the reason that it's it's ingeniously difficult and, and fun. And I love it, and I hate it, and I hate you for getting a higher score than me. <laughs> um, and yes, this week we were talking about the 1980 Taito title, Crazy Balloon. Crazy Balloon, indeed, which I'm not even sure if I had played before. When you mentioned it, like when last week you picked it and you told me what the sound was, I was like, I don't think I've played this game. And you know what? I don't think I had played this game. I think this one was totally new to me, but I immediately fell in love with it. This is seriously old school gaming. Like you, you just, you look at it, the, the nature of the graphics, the nature of the gameplay. It's clearly a game from, you know, late seventies, early eighties. In this case, it's 1980. And it looks it, it sounds it, it feels it. And I love it. I love, love this game. Taito describes it as a game of strategy and skill. The object of Crazy Balloon is to guide a delicate swaying balloon through a maze of pinwheel obstacles. You have four control buttons, and you have the ability to move your balloon in any direction. Don't take too long, because if you're too slow, a boogeyman erupts on the screen and forces you to move. Just when you think you have had to have the maze all figured out, pinwheels attack your balloon, forcing you to take evasive action. I have a question for you. Yes. You say boogeyman? I always have. <laughs> That's awesome. What do you say? I've always said bogeyman, which I know for British people would make it sound like boogerman because that's what they use bogey for. But I think here in Canada, it's the bogeyman. I, I always avoided bogey because that was a golf term and my dad played. Boogie is awesome. It's like ghost of it's disco a, past. Well, I always thought it was – I was associated boogie with booger, which kind of like – I figured he would be all like covered with snot and moss. And which is what bogey means. Right? So boogeyman. I love it. Anyway. I'm sure it's uh, a regional thing. Uh, yes, let's move. It's an awesome thing. <laughs> anyway, I like it. I like it very let's much. Let's move along, Carrington. The pinwheels. I hadn't realized they were pinwheels. Like you're, you're this, well, essentially you play a box. Like you're, a, you, so while you're really controlling the balloon, the balloon is tied to this little tiny, teeny tiny red 
box, this little dot, and that's what you're moving. And there's a balloon tied to it, so the balloon is sticking up on a string, but it doesn't stick just upright. And it's not like when you move, it wafts behind you. Oh, no, it moves back and forth like a pendulum. Yeah, it would be so much easier if it didn't move at all. I mean, it's... God, yes. Well, there'd be no game if it didn't move. Right, well, it ticks back and forth uh, like a metronome or like you said, a pendulum, and... As you're making your way through this maze, sometimes these little I I thought they were asterisks. I didn't even think that's what I thought too. Yeah, that's what the graphic reminds me of. uh, Kind of the Apple II-ish asterisk text that that existed way back when. And as you're moving through the maze and this balloon's ticking back and forth, the thing that that killed me almost every single time was I would think that I was I would be past an area and the balloon would tick back and hit hit the barrier. When you hit the barrier, you get this weird, like, electric shock sound, and you yeah. start over. And it's so sudden. Like, it's like, you know, it's, it's just jarring. Like, just, and, and, it, and it just, it, there's no, like, oh, your balloon pops graph. You know, you just hear this buzz and it's gone instantly. And it, and it like, shocks me every time because the same thing, it'll, you'll be just moving, you're trying to be subtle, you're racing against the clock because it's another game with a countdown, but it didn't really bug me because, obviously, the kind of needs the countdown, but going through this maze and you're trying to trying to move and you're judging i mean really it's coming down to looking at like individual pixels like will i will i have enough space here and as it was back and forth and then you just suddenly pop it just what, what touched what moved like, <laughs> oh it just it's it's a it's such a jolt and it can be so frustrating the game like is just full of tension for such a game that's so simple graphically <laughs> like there's nothing happening here graphically yeah by the end of our of my play sessions this week i i almost felt a little shell-shocked i was just like waiting to jump out of my skin when this thing hits me and part of the reason that that it's so jarring is there's not a whole lot of sound in this game there's there's a couple of public domain public domain jingle tunes that they use to to introduce each level and and to start the game off susanna yeah yeah totally totally, so they didn't have to pay license fees on on real music or anything like that and then there's just this clicking noise as the balloon moves from position to position it's not a so it's not a smooth drift around the screen it sort of clicks from from point to point to point and each one of those as it clicks you get 10 points on the score and that's really the only sound until you die yep and with suddenly and without without warning at all, just instantly bzz, you're done. Painful. Go back to the beginning of the yeah. maze. It's, it's like, really ah. tough. And then you've got in later levels, some of the pixels will break away and start moving. So you have to know, time to, your movement. To my surprise, <laughs> yes. So you have to time your movement around these things while still avoiding the obstacles. And if you stay too long in any one place, as I mentioned, you'll 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 hear a slightly different blipping noise warning you that the boogeyman's about to show up and and chase you down you also have a a timer that starts at a it's the bonus point timer that a lot of these games use in order to motivate you to move on to the next level so it starts at a thousand and it counts down it doesn't count down right away though i like like gives you a while before it starts to count yes you have in in the initial levels you have 20 seconds before it starts counting down from a thousand to get from start to finish to get the complete bonus and once it reaches zero, oh, so good. I don't. I never got down to zero, so I don't know. But I, th- I know because I would either finish or I would die. <laughs> yeah, well, I would see that starting to count down. I'm like, oh no! And I would go fast and die immediately. Oh yeah, if you rush in this game, you're just so doomed. Yeah, it's it's this this weird sort of balancing this this balancing act. They they call it strategy. I call it the balancing act of trying to plan your moves carefully while still maintaining a good pace through the course in order not to die. And we should explain that this 
boogeyman, love that phrase, it's like this face appears, like this giant face, and starts to blow at you. And like that's, of course, so dangerous because it wafts your balloon. You're like, what What are you doing? What are you doing, big face? Don't do that. There's all these stars. And so it just goes up and starts to blow. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And just like blows you into the stars. It's Because if you try to fight against it, it's also like, oh, it's just, it's crazy. And it also made me laugh. I mean, the game has a lot of humor to it for something that is, that is so simple and it would do these, these things, some great level design. Cause like the first, like the second level is essentially the first level again, except a couple of stars move. Like, okay, no big deal. Then you go to the third level and it's this different maze. Then you get to the fourth level. I only ever got to the fifth level and barely at all, but you get to the fourth level and, and like the maze is again, I guess the third level and the third level begins by having this, this big area that you, you begin by going in and you can either go left or right and I found you couldn't fit if you go left, although it looks like you can. So it's like, it's like psyching you out. So you really have to go right, which you go underneath it. So when you play that same maze again, that whole center section that you're going to move around, it all moves down, essentially meaning you have to go the other way now. You go to the left, but it doesn't move down right away. Oh no, they, they, like the maze doesn't move at all for quite some time, basically suckering you on the first time to go, yeah, we know where you're going. You're going left. We'll wait for <laughs> you to get down there. And then like the entire maze comes at you. And then, which of course in the fifth level, it is the entire maze moving up and down and left to right. It's just, it's crazy. And it's just, it clearly got play tested. And so they would know to kind of say, so oh, it'd be funny if this is the point we begin the countdown or this is the point we begin moving the maze. And for something that's so simple, it actually felt quite polished. And, and I, even in MAME, how we were playing it, I can't fault the collision detection because never once did I pop and not think I actually touched something. So I really think it was playing fair. It's just really hard. Yes. I, I had the same feeling as you did that when I died, it was because I made a mistake. It wasn't yeah. because the game was cheating or anything like that. Now, I did notice, no, no, I don't know if this was a bug in the ROM or something weird with MAME, but every now and then the game would freeze on the attract screen. So like between games for me, uh, you know, I'd hit the quarter button and the game, the, the screen would just freeze. Nothing else would happen. I would have to get back out to MAME and delete the save state file in order to oh. be able to play again. So nope, I, never happened to me. Huh. Maybe it's just a main thing on my Maybe my game. score was so good, it didn't want to mess with me. <laughs> it knew a crazy blue uh-huh. master was here. I could play indefinitely uh, on one quarter. Set my, to stop. Where's my, my Carrington mute button here? <laughs> I've got it. I keep using it, baby. <laughs> I'm muting myself through this whole show. Uh, there's, I'm sure our listeners appreciate that. There, there were a couple of things that you mentioned that I did want to talk about. One was the, the face when, when <laughs> the uh, big head, the, yeah, the head, the way it blows you across the screen. I thought that that was well done because instead of just having a monster that didn't make any sense with the, within the context of the game come out and chase you like a lot of these things do. This actually made sense. You're a balloon. You can be blown into these things. And yeah. I, I thought that that kind of thought and, and level of polish, like you said, for its time, especially was kind of unusual. I don't think, I don't think that was as common for, for these older games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd mentioned the, the humor. Yeah, totally. Had, did you have a chance to look at the, our, the, the game manual for this? Oh, I did not. Okay, so it's I was, out- I was doing so well, I didn't need to. <laughs> that's that's my new answer oh, to that question. I like boy. that one better. This is just going to be one of those shows, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, so the manuals available on uh, archive.org. They have that collection of arcade game manuals, and this this manual is fifty six pages long, which is about fifty pages longer than most of them. And if you page through the first few pages, especially, they have these cute little drawings of how to treat your cocktail version. 
of the game that are just <laughs> hilarious. Like it's got the got the cocktail sitting there crying, and because it's out in the sun and under the under the rain cloud and being rained on and having stuff poured on top of it. That's awesome. But if you keep going through the manual, it's kind of it's kind of a piece of art, at least as far as I'm concerned, because it actually tells you. It has the maps of, of the first 16 levels, and it tells you how each one reacts. You know, the face will appear at this place on level 12. And the pattern, oh, nice. the pattern for level 14 is the same as, as level 8, and the display is stationary. The face will appear immediately behind the starting position of the blue and that sort of thing. Oh, I can't imagine. That would mess me up right away. Go! Ah, I don't want to go! <laughs> you got to spend that few minutes, like, sort of scoping out the maze. If you're if you're enjoying this game and you and you really want to get into it, I highly recommend grabbing a copy a PDF copy of this manual and and taking at least one glance through it because near the back you know, it's got all the the assembly instructions and kind of the more technical stuff that can get kind of boring if you're just wanting to play, and then it's got schematics for the game. This is a, a thoroughly done manual that you just didn't see back then, but I, I nice I yeah just, that's cool. I just thought that those little drawings at the beginning were hilarious. That's awesome. That's awesome. Every, everything about this game is awesome. Like, I just immediately fell in love with this game. The game basically has 16 levels that repeat over and over again. And uh, after level 16, the maps start over again with level 1, but the bonus starts ticking down faster, and the balloon swings back and forth at a faster rate. Oh, my gosh. It ticks up again at level 33. So you, you play 16, and then you play the next 16, and then you play the... Th- Third sixteen, and then you, you apparently the game goes on indefinitely until until it's moving apparently. so quickly. Yeah, well, we never got nearly that far. I also wanted to mention that as far as scoring goes, so like I said, every move that you make from pixel to pixel gives you ticks you up ten points. You can also get points by running into the asterisks. Weirdly, oh, I didn't. know So that. you get, I think, a hundred points for hitting one of the white ones. What that's the ones that are everywhere. So when you die, you automatically get a hundred points. Uh, but if you hit the pink or the green ones, it's like 300 and 500 for those. So you can actually make more points by dying. Oh, I get that, though, because in the maze, there'll be different sections, and they're sort of surrounded by different color things. And a lot of times it would be the pink areas would be narrower. And I'd see them as sort of like, well, you're going to die in that area. And they were like a warning thing. I guess it's not. I guess it's more you'll be rewarded if you try the hard area and you die. There's at least more points going to be given to you. So again, subtle and very polished game uh, game design here. That's really good. The one thing that was kind of a disappointment for me was the, the sound. Yeah. There just wasn't much there. I mean, and it got annoying really quickly. I found that I had to listen to something else because the the constant ticking of the balloon moving around just started to get annoying. And, and the fact that I died so often that I kept having to hear, you know, oh, Susanna over and over again. And, <laughs> yes. Oh, I couldn't stand it. So <laughs> yes. that's disappointing. And I'll go ahead and talk about the, the technical stats here. So it's, it has the a Z80 at uh, 3.072 megahertz. It ha- does have a, a separate sound chip, an SN76477, also at 3.072 megahertz, and discrete sound circuitry, which struck me as odd because wow, there's no odd. sound in the game. Not really. Like it's, They're not really doing much. I totally agree. There's not much going on here sound-wise, and I kept music playing while I was playing because there's really the game's not doing much, but like you said, like that ticking noise. For all the times that I died and had to start over again, I never felt bored going back up through those first levels because... I knew that I could die at any moment. It wasn't like I'd played this thing so many times that I had the pattern down like we talked about in Pitfall oh, 2 no. and those early things. You could easily miss it by a pixel and have the balloon swing back and hit one of the asterisks and you're dead. 
Yeah, and the first level is is hard. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's, this game does not take it easy on you at the beginning. It does feature the the ten point counting system, the way most early games did, where instead of scoring a hundred points at a time, you're talking about ten points. So, it was released as a cocktail, and in Japan there was a the cocktail version was known as TT Crazy Balloon. It was ported to the Commodore 64 in 1983. Oh, was it? I did not know that. And pretty much nothing else until Taito started releasing its uh, memories and title legends, the game packs and, and things for the PlayStation, the PSP. Uh, it did show up in Title Legends 2 for the PC, CD-ROM, and the Xbox in 2006. And other than that... Well, actually, there's a cool... There's one other cool port I found. Oh? There was a homebrew version released oh, that's right, in the, 2005 for the Atari 2600, yeah? of all things. It that's was programmed right. by um, Manuel Rotskar. I'm so sorry for what I just did to your name there, Manuel. And it's available from the Atari Age store for 25 bucks in both NTSC and PAL versions. So it's currently available right now. Oh, this sweet. game is so awesome. I'm, I'm thinking of actually even picking up the card because I'm loving this game so much. So I was disappointed to learn that it had not been ported to the Apple II, so I think I know what my next HackFest project is going to be. Oh, that would be a great thing to release at uh, Kansas Fest. Yeah, well, we'll see oh, how it goes. Oh, do it. So I'll make sure that I have a, a link to everything we just talked about. Just remind people, we have the show notes over at monsterfeed.com, and I'll make sure I have a link to the Atari Age store where you can pick up the card if you are as enamored with this game as we are. It is so crazy awesome. Love it. Uh, there was one feature that I, I thought was neat. It shares so many features in common with a lot of the older games that I keep having to say this, but another thing that it does that many of these other games did was there's only one high score. There's no table. There isn't like you don't get your name in the game for third place. You nope. only get it for first place, and that's all it keeps. I did like the fact that when you're putting it in there, you have like 12 characters or something like that. You have 10, says the guy whose name is 10, is 10 characters long. <laughs> yes. It is pretty rare that those of us with 10 characters in our name get to enter the entirety of the shebang. So I was really pleased about that. So, Carrington, what score oh, did you get yes. to enter it for? I got to enter my full 10-letter name for a total score of 11,410. And it was literally like a half an hour before recording that I finally broke 10,000. I kept getting 6,000, 7,000, 8,000. At one time, I got 9,000 and something. That was good enough to go on Twitter. But it was right before we recorded. I broke 10 grand, blew way past it, got 11,410. Suck on that, Mr. McGinnis. I hate you. I hate you so much. <laughs> what did you get? I got to uh, level five as well. That's right. Level five is that score. What about you? How far so did you get? So let's talk about next week's game. I know. <laughs> what did you get a score of 10? <laughs> what? 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 Did you get a score of 10? Well, it ended at a 10. <laughs> it seems they always do. Yeah. What, what was your total? 6,410. That's very little. Hey, both our scores ended in 410, though. Yes, That's pretty cool. So you beat me by an even 5,000 points. How does it feel, Karen? Ooh, it feels good. Ooh. feels really good. It's worth the cold. I like it. <laughs> um, I should mention something before we go on. I should mention something about the More about cabinet. your score? No, more about the... Actually, we could talk about that a little more. No, no I want to talk about the cabinet. Pretty generic um, title cabinet from the time. It's that, you know, stripey blue generic cabinet that a bunch of different games came in. So there's nothing that exciting about that. It's got just the crazy balloon logo on the, the marquee, big orange, you know, balloon letters. So no big surprise there. But what I liked was, and it's something you mentioned in the manual, it's something I separately spotted that in... Most descriptions of this, like online in Wikipedia and so many things, they will talk about it being a four-way joystick. Other places talk about it being an eight-way joystick, blah, blah, blah. Both of those are wrong. Even the picture on the 
in um, arcade history. If you go over to arcade history, it's got a photo of the cabinet. And it's weird because it shows like a joystick surrounded by three buttons. And you think, well, what the heck are the buttons for? It's not. It was a, it was a button only game. There's no joystick for this. There was a button for up, a button for down, a button for left, and a button for right. It's seriously old school where there's no joystick. This is a pre-joystick game. It was buttons only on the control panel. And ridiculously cool. hard, especially for only having four buttons. Uh, yeah, but I wonder if, like, I found I could go diagonally. So is it that you press both buttons together and it would let you go? So that's interesting. You could, it was acting like a four-way joystick, but really just using four buttons. And I love seriously old school games that are button only. Like when you look at the, like the really old Space Invaders and it's like button for left, button for right, button for shoot. There's something charming about a button only game. I I don't know why I knew this, but going into this, I knew that Crazy Balloon was, was four buttons. And I don't know how I know that because I never played this in the arcade as a kid. Uh, so I didn't actually play this at all with a joystick. And I found that even uh, using a, the keyboard arrow controls to simulate the buttons doesn't make it any easier. No. It, it's still a hard game. It's a crazy hard game. Yeah, I was doing it with joystick. I tried buttons as well. But for the most part, I was equally bad both times. We did have one piece of listener feedback that, that uh, I was waiting to address until now, and that's that we had not been doing the high scores recently, the the, the records. Oh, whoops. Uh, so, and I can't find his name now, but somebody asked us to bring it back. So here it is. This week's game, of course, is uh, Crazy Balloon, the high score. Now, the only place I could find a high score listed for this was on Twin Galaxies. And it was by set by Donald Hayes, who is a member, actually, at, at Twin Galaxies and has a whole bunch of high scores that he, that he currently holds. He got 466,920 points. Now, crazy man! Like you, you must be so good at the tiny controls to be able to do that. Now I don't know if Crazy Balloon was so unpopular at the time that nobody bothered to keep track of scores or anything, because all of these are listed for for Mame. None of them are listed for scores set on an actual cabinet. So if I can go find a cabinet, I can be the high score. You could, is what you're saying. Indeed, That's what you I'm could. hearing. Awesome. This is not a game that I or I think anyone need a cabinet for. No, but it's so good. But definitely added to my main favorites list. Oh, yeah, right away. Like, from from first play, I immediately knew it was a game that was going to go into my favorites as well. I also, like, um, we've talked about how it makes that ticking noise. Like, as you move, uh, you move a few pixels, you get a tick, and you get 10 points. But it's only when you're moving toward when you get like closer to the, the oh. maze. So if you move backwards, there's no sound. If you recover ground you've already been to, there's no sound. It's only as you progress farther than you've ever been each time you move, you you get points. But if you stall, you get nothing. If you move back and forth, oh. you get nothing. It's got to be like little things like that I noticed and just so polished. It's so good. I, I was I, not aware I, of that. I adore this game. Oh, yeah. This is, this is a wonderful game and I, I highly recommend you play it at least once. Yeah. I Absolutely. Bet, and Absolutely. I, bet, I bet if you load this up, dear listener, you're going to play it more than once. Yeah, I, I highly recommend. One of the best games we played in this first year of podcasting. Just absolutely adore this game. I think so, too. So what about what's next week? What could possibly compete with this game? Well, what's coming up? I was going to ask you about that. Oh, it Because next week, of course, is our one-year gala. I our quit. Our huge celebration where we will, have the, we will officially have a Carrington quitting ceremony. Excellent. Uh, it's black tie. By quitting, only. Do you mean firing? It is black tie formal, and there will oh, be uh, there will be cheap champagne, uh, strawberry wine, whatever you want to call it, and a moldy reddish sort of carpet rolled out over in one corner. I think. 
Nice. And I think we're even going to have a special interview. We've we got might. a few things planned. Yeah. yeah. But um, should we do anything special for the game? Does anything come to mind, Carrington? Nothing. <laughs> my head, my head is full. Ew. All right. Well, then we'll play this. And that'll just have to do. <laughs> I think that'll do nicely, sir. That will do nicely. Excellent. Well, thank you for podcasting with me. And thank you, Gerdin. I will talk to you soon. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this show has been released to the public domain. 